0: Disney.
1: All right, I hit record. You know, I mean, this isn't even the show. This is like the pre-show. Yeah. Maureen was uh, just got uh, excited to find out that uh, I'm not in Toronto. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's so cool. It is. How you know, liberating is this setup? You know,
1: it's funny. I was talking about this with somebody recently. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I don't know that we would have ever come to this method of doing the show, like you know, doing the show on Zoom. But because of doing it on Zoom, um, now it became, as you said, liberating that we can do the show in the wintertime. And in Fred's case, all summer long from his Lakeside trailer, I mean, it really is, uh, it's given us a whole lease on life.
2: Dan, are you still in the trailer with um, uh, Dara, Dara?
3: Darren Wasler, like. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Darren moved across the lake, but I'm right next to Fred, and yeah. Fred, Fred took over Darren's old trailer, which is right. a fantastic trailer. It's beautiful. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're neighbors of the lake now.
2: Cool. Yeah, yeah. but you you have good cell service. I I can't or whatever it is. I can't. My, my cottage is w- water access and connection is iffy because we have a lot of trees between us and the line of sight to the tower so there we still can't re- reliably broadcast from there
3: so you but, need some sort of connection with elon musk and his starlink system he, eh?
2: uh, my my sister-in-law has the starlink system and it's a piece of shit she said oh. is it really yeah. yeah well
3: that's too bad
2: yeah
1: um so is, you, what, I've always wondered about the... Like, We're going to start the show, everyone. Just relax. We're going to start the official show in a minute. <laughs> I've, um, I'm intrigued by the water access because it would seem on the surface to be romantic and you can only get there. You're on an island. But then every time I think about it, well, what if you need something?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's carry in, carry out. You, every single thing that is... We built the cottage 30 years ago. Every single thing there has been brought in by barge or by boat. Yeah. I know it seems romantic, but you just have to have that camp mentality that we need you need everything going in. I mean and- we there is a general store on the lake and you get there by boat, but you got to be really prepared. But so, how how many
1: times in the thirty years has there been an argument, uh, something that sparked a fight? With Are you kidding me? You
2: forgot no, like, the back when we smoked. I was like, What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man,
1: have you ever done that? Have you Have you actually left in the middle of the? Uh, the I'm, hey, no, I don't might, care.
2: Might. My husband's cousin back in the day sent her boyfriend to Perry Sound to get wine and cigarettes at, at two in the morning. And That's he got so the funny. Cigarettes, He couldn't get the wine. I know, I know. Because you're there to have a good time. And you are like, right. what? It's
1: like, we're out of food. We have no water, but we need cigarettes. You
2: could make it through the night without food and water. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, there's lots of water.
1: Um, okay, um, well, you know what? I think we've, we're all warmed up now. Dan Duran, are mm-hmm. you in a uh, place where you want to. Uh, Announce uh, we have a uh, guest, Fred um, yes and and by the way, it was so funny because we had such a great time with Maureen that Maureen was rebooked, I think, before the first show ended <laughs> I, I I just looked up on the schedule and like, Maureen Holloway again, are you kidding? me? How did we get her twice? No, it, it was more
2: like <laughs> it'll be. How do you get rid of me? It will be the... the uh, No, I had too much fun.
1: Uh, that's why I said to Boone, I said, you know, did you call her agent? I mean, what what is the
3: process when you book Maureen Holloway? And he said, oh, she wanted to do it. Which is uh, great to have her back. Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and guest Fred Maureen Holloway is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in the not-so-high High Park in Toronto, Lisa's Peterborough Living Room Studio, and from our Tulum Studio with a nearby golf course. And is brought to you by Bodog, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and GoDaddy. And now two people have been who have been shot multiple times through the heart by Cupid's arrow and have recovered one better than the other. It's <laughs> Humble and Maureen Holloway. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Um, it's cupid. It's Valentine's Day. No, yeah, I got it's that Valentine's part. Day
2: now. Day, of course, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> arrow thing. Yeah, you know, I got a heart.
3: Yeah. You've got a heart and a heart problem. Oh, I see you what have? you're saying. I do
1: have a heart problem. Oh, wow. I thought you meant I had a so keep so a bad. girlfriend problem, which I also well, do. It's
3: also, you know, it also adds up. It stacks it's double, up in the whole comedy thing. Okay. thing. okay. I
1: love it when you Wanna explain go for comedy to me. That's right. After knowing each other for 43 years, I finally got your sense of humor. Um, <laughs> okay Yes, happy I know I saw in the notes that Maureen doesn't like Valentine's I, Day I don't But I would like to begin by saying Something that I think you stop saying when you're seven Which is happy Valentine's Day <laughs> 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 You know, I, I just wondered What is the age where you stop saying Happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day I'm, Yeah Anyway
2: Apparently why, no age
1: Why do you Yes Hate it uh, why do you hate it?
2: Uh, hate is a strong word. It is a strong so I word. Say. I, don't, I don't hate Valentine's Day. I've you don't favor it? Just, I don't favor it. <laughs> don't think kindly of it. Because it puts a lot of pressure on people, and we're not really sure. Valentine's Day is not a celebration of love, per se. It's a celebration of mostly for women,
0: mm-hmm. if I
2: can be gender-specific, uh, who like... Um, You know, I mean, I like getting flowers, too, but not not because it's the day that I have to get them. Uh, And the whole fact of the matter, you know, they jack up the prices of roses and, you know, nobody wants a box of chocolates. Certainly not six weeks after Christmas. Well, this
1: is what I wanted to say. If I may interject the problem Please. with Valentine's Day and, uh, you, you know, I've done, uh, I don't know, four or five episodes of uh, CBC's debaters. And in one of my debates, I debated a friend of ours who you may know, Judy Croon, about the significance of Valentine's Day for men and women. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem is what you just brought up six weeks ago. You know, we all exchanged gifts. There's a lot of pressure on couples making sure you get the right Christmas gift. And then for men, if I may be gender specific, and then for men, there's this six weeks later, we have to come up with some kind of schema. There has to be a plan. And you know what? We're just not very good at it. I'm being generalized, but
2: we're not. Even even if I wanted to give my Valentine. (laughs) by a gift to 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 denote the occasion. What do you give men for Valentine's Day? And you know,
1: how about crude the day suggestions
2: off? Suggestions aside.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just
2: give us just the give day the, off. Just give Yeah, it's not it so it's not a mutual thing. It puts a lot of pressure on on uh people who are maybe casually dating and oh, oh are yeah. you my Valentine or Yeah, exactly. Dad? Um and then if, Let's bring it back to to the classroom. So when I grew up, this was before everybody got a Valentine's. So there'd be a box, and everybody would put their Valentine's, and the most popular kids, and I'm talking six- or seven-year-olds, would have the most of these little cardboard. That's uh, right. And then people who, the kids who were not popular would have nothing. So that wasn't great. And then... Somebody came up with the idea that every kid in the class should have a Valentine, but who did that? Is the mothers, mothers and fathers mm-hmm. who the night before were like, "God damn it!" <laughs> writing out all these Valentines for twenty five kids in a class, so that becomes a problem. So yeah, you know, it's I fun- don't like it. Day. It's
1: so funny back in the there was a back in the sixties, and I remember that where you know not everyone. No. Got the same amount of valentines. No,
0: it was
2: crushing.
1: And not everyone got participation ribbons. And not everyone, you know, was told they could be anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, look what we've produced.
2: Well, wow. look at us. We're the finest of oh, our generation. Yes. yeah.
1: Sad. Now, the funny thing is, the three of like, so you and I have spoken about Valentine's Day, but I know our boy Dan Durant, who is sitting in his girlfriend's living room, and she still has her Christmas tree up. So, so you, you you know, it's I a bird like, tree. No, it's, it's so funny. It's, no, it's not. The first thing Maureen said when we came on the meeting here a few minutes ago was, "Why is Dan's got his, his Christmas tree up?" And hell? went, and I said, it's "No, off. no, no, no more." And that's Dan's. That's Dan's going along with his girlfriend because they're in a new relationship. He's like, "Sure, honey,
3: call it what." Whatever you want,
2: you're in a new relationship. What are you doing for Valentine's Day?
3: There you go. Uh, Whatever we did, we did last night. Oh, Oh, I see. Well, Well, hello, (laughs) hello, Dan Duran. Where there was not a lot of expectations, uh, and uh, it went very lovely. Well, that's always good when there's low expectations and they're met. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whenever low
1: expectations are met, you know you've got a winning combination. Yeah. Um, but, well, it's new. You're
3: like year three or something, right? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Somewhere You in have no idea, do you? Well, no, it's in that area, but it was all, you know, started through COVID and whatever. Right. So it's like a, a long, uh, it was, you know. Whatever. So did you actually,
1: um, here's a great story then. Uh, did you, had you um, ever had relation, any kind of relation? Had you been in close contact with a uh, girlfriend, Lisa, prior to COVID? Prior to COVID,
3: um, I'd have to ask her. Yeah, I, don't I should tell exactly Maureen. Exactly Dan hates to any off, question, but it was like it was right at the very beginning of COVID okay. when we met. So I don't know when we, you know, when it was officially COVID when things got a little hot and heavy. Well, yeah, that's what I want to ask because that's a that's a line you cross. You think, okay, I'm, you know, we're gonna have relations,
1: but one of us could be carrying a deadly <laughs> a deadly.
3: <laughs> Global yeah.
1: virus here. And not just your normal viruses that you might have. <laughs> All the viruses that are <laughs> possible. That's
3: right. Forget <laughs> genital wards. You should see what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I was going to tell Maureen I don't, I don't have. I don't have this distaste for Valentine's Day like you guys. I, you know, it's it's fun. It's hey. just you know you, you know, you don't have to throw so much damaged uh, emotional whatever at it. Oh, dude, I'm dude, sorry. Dan, hold on a second. That's Maureen. She's the.
0: That's val- me. I'm the bitter. I'm,
3: I'm fine you, with
1: it. I just find it yeah. hilarious that uh, you know at, at our age we're still supposed
3: to come up with something six weeks after you know another <laughs> pressure-packed present you know, holiday. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it sounds like you have to have a meeting with whoever and how's this relationship going to go? Are we going to, you know, all the mother's days, father's days, or oh, what, how are you uh, Maureen on father's day and mother's day? Same thing.
2: No, I'm not, I'm not crazy about those. Yeah, what other holidays <laughs> Sorry, do you, what mess. other
1: holidays <laughs> do you hate? <laughs> um, let me just jump in and tell Maureen, Dan hates any question that has to do with chronology. He has no <laughs> idea. He doesn't like to be talked about when it comes to, like, what to, when things happened. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. all by way of saying that uh, today is the, <laughs> can, we, can we even call it the 14th of February? And uh, we're pleased to have Maureen Holloway. I mean, you know what, Dan? You and I, we're sitting here babbling like idiots. Right? We get so excited that Maureen's with us that we didn't even officially um, introduce her them, they, I don't know.
2: Uh, She, her.
1: She, her. Uh, Maureen, of course, a long time broadcaster and uh, one of the uh, bright lights in the Canadian uh, media for many, many years. As I mentioned last time, uh, spent quite a a bit of time on the uh, good ship uh, Voldemort as well. uh, Maureen and Wendy Mesley. Daniel have uh, taken upon themselves to uh, produce a fine podcast offering called "The Women of Ill Repute," and it's available wherever podcasts are uh, distributed. And we'll get into some uh, of that on the program today, Dan. But uh, here she is, Maureen Holloway. And uh, by the way, I'm gonna I've got to make this provision because. I know he's going to get... I know it. I know it. As soon as Lumby finds out that Maureen is here again, he's going to go, wait a minute. I thought blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to say, here's the here's the explanation. Literally, when we had more... And I'm, I'm going to have to send him a note, but I'm just going to say it out, Because... Jeff, at some point, Jeff's going to guess, going to guess for it. But what happened was literally the show ended with Maureen. We had such a great time. And I guess Mike contacted you and said, hey, there's another day in February. Are you available? And uh, I didn't get involved. The next thing I know, I saw Maureen's name in the schedule. I was thrilled. But I know our boy Lumby, who is a longtime contributor to the program, is going to be like, wait right. a second, I've, no. I've, I can host two. And and he can uh, but uh, I'm thrilled to have you with me, and, and I do have a couple things. Dan's going to hang around with us for a little bit, but there's a bunch of stuff that's happened that I thought, oh, this will be perfect for Maureen Holloway because you know you're a a, a great voice and you have an opinion, and the, one of the first things you said to me was the John Tory thing.
2: Are you torried? Are you
1: torried out? So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, there's I mentioned to Maureen, Dan, that one of our listeners, Julie Fleming, who is a big fan of the humble and Fred Trump talk, uh, sent me an interesting note. And I'm going to read that. I don't know if anyone saw Rosie DeMano's column in the star, but uh, I'm going to bring that up. And it's an interesting perspective that I think that uh, some people in the city are thinking as well. But first, Dan, did you know that Maureen Holloway was just first of all, two things you don't know about Maureen? One, that Maureen is a golfer.
3: No, I did not.
1: Plays know that. golf and went on a golf trip with our boy. Oh, that that uh, with, much of a golf? That
3: oh, much yes. of a golfer? Are they going to oh, yeah. golf? Oh,
2: yeah. Okay. I, go, I, I try to it. go every year.
1: Oh, and okay. uh, was yeah, it was working. it just you and Moore in the morning?
2: It was John. <clears throat> it was John, my husband, and uh, was, and John Moore. Okay, whom I call Moo when I'm with my husband because they're both John M. Exactly. So, so yeah.
1: So. I'm looking so we at San Diego, yes, uh, yes, he went to, and I was following along on uh, the social media,'m i like, oh, there's Maureen, and there's a picture of John's you know John hitting a golf. I mean I've, we've talked about this last time. i played golf with John, and you know what, God love him, uh, he certainly tries hard.
2: he sure does. He improved um, dramatically in the week that we were down there, actually,
1: oh, did yeah. he <laughs> <laughs> did he really? Well, he had a long way he to go. Did. He, he did. He had, go. he had a long way to go.
2: He had a long way. You know what? He needs to relax. We were talking about you and your, your podcast, Swing Thoughts. That's right. Swing Thoughts. I, the, the, the thing that John, that Moo does, is he gets all up in his own head. Yeah. And that's the problem. You know, he doesn't need any more lessons. He doesn't need in different clubs. He doesn't yeah. need any of that. He needs to get out of his own head. And by the time our last day of golf. He was, uh, he wasn't bad. He, he, he was stinking up the joint. <laughs> okay, stop it.
0: No, no,
1: <laughs> I am to leave. <laughs> yeah. I did. You tell, listen, you know, I'm so fond of John and i and I have both played with John and it's a great experience. He's a great guy, but you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, he, you. it's the hardest game to learn later in life precisely because of what you said. When you yeah. watch a seven or a 10 year old swing a golf club, they don't care. They're not in their heads care. about it. They don't mind. the. They don't think of shots as good and bad. Yeah. But adults, we are, you know, stricken with self-consciousness, which is a oh. tough, tough thing to do because golf is nothing but a naked exposure. Every time you hit a shot, somebody in your group is watching you and they, you think they're paying more attention than they are. Because most golfers are just thinking, when you hit a bad shot, they're just thinking, Oh glad that wasn't me. Yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> I like to say it's a, a golf is a, an, ex, it's a, an exercise in etiquette and humiliation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, There's a famous saying, uh, one of the uh, golf announcers uh, famously said, if you want to be a good golfer, and I would put any golfer, you have to be comfortable with a certain amount of humiliation. <laughs> me because too. no matter how good or bad you are, we all are going to have a shot or two. You know, I, if I can just pause for a second. I, I don't know if you knew that I um, was a pilot for quite a bit of uh, my my 40s and 50s.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: And there's an old saying in aviation. How do you know you have a pilot at your party? Oh, don't worry. He'll tell you.
2: <laughs>
1: um, and uh, I had actually taken John Moo, I'd taken Moore uh, flying uh, probably more than once. Let him fly the plane. And, um, mm. and somebody said to me, uh, What do you think is tougher, flying or golfing? I said, Oh, golfing's way harder. They're like, What, what do you mean? I said, Because if you make a mistake flying, you just die. <laughs> yeah. I said, But if you make a mistake golfing, your friends will never let you hear the end of it. You'll be living with it for the rest of your life. Hey, oh. Mo, remember that time you hit that guy on the. What? <laughs> what? You still remember that? So you guys go on this golf trip. Yes. And uh, it's uh, San Diego, so um, Did you play Tory Pines and those we fl- w- famous places? Would have
2: loved to have played Tory Pines, but they book up. It's like Pebble Beach; yeah. you've got to book up a year. It's a public course, yeah, yeah, you and it's very play expensive. There, but yeah. you need to plan well ahead, and we didn't have that. Uh, we, so we played. We played. Uh, John and I played. My husband and I played four times. Uh, Moo played three times, uh, and we played in uh, a place called Singing Hills, which was stunning uh Coronado, which is a municipal court and but they're beautiful courts, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, municipal, so what? They look after them like they're they're of their very own.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So
2: we had a good time. It's gorgeous. San Diego is beautiful, too.
1: And uh, was the uh, temperature uh, good for golf at it's, this time of the it's year? It's
2: always around 20 degrees all year round. Nice. It's never, it never gets super hot, never gets super cold.
1: Um, where I am, which is sort of the uh, resort part of Mexico, you know, Playa, Tulum, and where I'm in, in Puerta Aventuras. Um, oh, and uh, Aventuras. it's Yeah, it's really it's like summertime in toronto here it's like 32 degrees super humid but where i'm going where fred and i are going to be in march is in the mountains it's like uh, four hours north of mexico city it's like i said there's resort mexico and then there's real mexico that's real mexico it's very different it's it's very much like that 22 23 every day no humidity much like the desert i prefer that to be honest with you because listen i'm not complaining that it's this hot here but It's, uh, for an old man, it can get punishing in the afternoon here.
2: I hate to tell you guys this, but here in Toronto, um, tomorrow it's going to be 12 degrees. Yeah, I heard. And the sun is shining, and it's absolutely beautiful. A little weird for the middle of February, but uh, yeah, we're not suffering back here.
1: So back to this trip, Dan. I don't know if you knew this. So is this, am I correct in saying that John Moore lost his luggage in this trip? (sighs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> so yeah. So yes. Oh.
2: First of all, you got to check your clubs if you're traveling with yeah, your of clubs. Course. But I try never to check luggage. Right. I mean, in this in this day and age, you know, I've got the biggest carry on, and I take a certain amount of pride as a woman who arguably brings more stuff wherever I go. I take tremendous pride in not ever checking luggage, and because they're, they're going to lose it, they're going to lose it and john had a big suitcase along with his with his golf club and i said really and he said yeah i like a big suitcase and i said you know you're really tempting fate. Uh, And sure enough, we get to San Diego and they've lost his luggage. In fact, it was lost for three days. Um, So on, you know, the first day he managed, I got tired of looking at what he was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weird combination of mustard and plum. And I have my day two. I was like, this is offending me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's so funny that you were tired of it.
2: I'm you don't see yourself. right? You just look outwards. And so uh, he bought a whole bunch of clothes. And on day three, of course, they found his uh, his luggage and uh, delivered it to her condo. And then on day four, my clubs, my clubs were stolen from the back of the rental car. Not John's, not Moo's, just mine. I don't.
1: OK, hold, hold on a second. So the rental car is in front of your condo or you're you staying in a hotel or something. Yep.
2: No, we're in a condo on Mission Beach. And
1: and someone, I don't know if the correct word, someone jimmied the lock? Is that a word? I don't know. Is that a verb? To Jimmy?
2: Jimmy. To Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) I Jimmy, you, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, No, I don't know what, because the car was unlocked, and we were pretty careful about locking it. And then this discussion about, I'm sure you've heard about this, that thieves can record your fob
1: Yeah, 'er ne'er-do-wells.
2: Yeah, and use that to unlock your car. But what I don't understand is there were three sets of clubs in the back. Mine were the oldest and the yuckiest, and they only took mine. Well, that seems uh,
1: very touch. odd. That, well, it seems odd on a couple of uh, fronts, Dan, that, that you would only take one set, not three. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to say this. I'm assuming you were playing, you know, uh, women's clubs, women's specific clubs yeah so maybe that's it they were just they weren't they were just they were just in the market for a set of women's cl- i got a Good request set of
2: women's clubs like yeah. callaway clubs yeah. wow but here's something you need to know i don't know if you've ever tried to claim anything stolen while on vacation because n- not to get too boring about it but we didn't know where to, okay first of all do we get contact the the uh the airbnb owner for their insurance what about the car rental nah um, f- f- the only people that would talk to us About re- the p- replacement cost Were our home insurance people Back in Toronto But in order to get the clubs covered First of all, we have a $1,500 deductible Secondly They want photographs of your clubs I don't know how many pictures you've taken of your golf clubs uh, Well, you're, talk- you're
1: talking to me I've got several pictures
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have an album
3: I do, I have a photo <laughs> Daddy's first wedge <laughs> Yeah. Got <laughs> a museum in the basement that's with all the right. clubs oh, no, lined I do. up. You know, yeah. Dan's right? I, I literally have, clubs, I have them all lined yeah. up. This was uh,
1: this okay, was 2010. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they say they want a picture of your clubs.
2: They want the receipt. Well, I mean, I got them 14 years ago. Yeah. Um So you know, I, that's fine. It's fine. But there's not nothing. It's not. Oh, they want a police report. You know, I'm going to go to the police in San Diego and spend a day trying to get it. So it all just seemed absolutely ridiculous. So I rented for the um, the last two days, and I'm now in the market for a new set of clubs, which is kind of exciting. But you know, I got to pay got to pay for them.
1: Well, I have uh, I have some friends at TaylorMade, and oh. uh, we'll uh, we'll have a little conversation because I have think a I can
2: chat. We'll have a little chat. As, as um, my husband pointed out, he said, these are probably the last clubs you'll ever buy, which brings up a whole other topic. We are talking, we're talking to Dan earlier about the fact that his dog is old right. and ill. I remember I had, a producer told me once, he said, you probably have maybe two dogs left in your life.
1: No, I know. I know listen, I know what you're saying. Like, <laughs> you, 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 you literally you could be faced face with the idea that this set of clubs you're about to buy. Yes! You know, considering, you know, you only you only change them every fourteen years. Um, <laughs> lifetime club. These are lifetime clubs. Uh, anyway, I will. Uh, I can, I can uh, set you up with at least somebody that can uh, look at a discount. At least-
2: but I also need to be fitted The whole thing. Oh band, yeah, I'm gonna,
1: so. yeah We'll to we'll, Oh we'll I'm excited out, thank yes. you
2: Because I've only got One set of clubs left In my life
1: um, Okay I, I, I don't want Dan to leave Before I bring this up Because this is the kind Of story Dan That if, if this was on the news This is a Dan Duran News story Oh by the way Give my best to both John your husband John Moore in the morning uh, Who I'm a huge fan of and uh, by the way, when when you were using rental clubs, did he look on, look at you on day uh, two, and go, "I'm sick of looking at your new clubs"? Did he <laughs> to get back at you? So Dan and um, is it Maureen, Maureen Holloway? My
2: name is that just, my name.
1: Just before we let Dan go, I just read a story this morning, Dan, that there is uh, a seaweed, an algae that has. Um, washed up on the shores here, not quite where we are, but north near Cancun, and it's a um, a strain known as sargassum, S-A-R-G-A-S-S-U-M and it's that green algae-looking stuff, right? The kind of thing
3: that you would hate because you'd be like, shouldn't somebody get rid of this? Blah blah blah. Is this natural? Yes. Okay. What about it? Well, I just thought, is it
1: is it coincidence, Dan, that sarcasm shows up around the same time that i show up you know what i'm getting at dan like though uh-huh. is because is, i first thought like, of. of sarcasm i'm like is this something to do with me is this a sign i know that was a long way to go for that little joke but uh <laughs> i had to do it uh dan Duran, uh we welcome you to come back and uh do the news maureen and i are gonna we're going to Tory it up here and uh, take over we've got some uh, sponsorship stuff to do but um, let me uh, thank you and uh, Dan will be back in a bit let me just get some music here Maureen And uh, just like last time, I've had uh, the Fredman pre-record some of these
4: items, so uh, have a listen to this. The Retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, is a portfolio manager Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. If you have a portfolio and you'd like someone to have a second look because maybe you don't think it's performing as well as it should... Tim is your guy, no strings attached, no obligation. Tim will have a look and give you the straight goods. He's the retirement Sherpa. He's licensed on both sides of the border, so it doesn't matter where you are. Tim can have a look. Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Oh, d- d- all right. Um,
1: I would also like to point out this program is brought to you by GoDaddy. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where you go to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. If you have an idea for a small business or side hustle, maybe it's uh, some brilliant thing you've been dreaming about and sitting on for a while, or an online store you've been uh, wanting to finally launch and sell your product. GoDaddy has free and friendly. That's free and friendly 24 7 phone support. They're also here to help you start and uh, and go every step of the way. That's I just want to mention, too, no credit card is required. You can start your website for free today with GoDaddy. Try it out. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. You know, I uh, before I forget this, because I will, <laughs> I thought. Uh, you know, it's, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm like uh, nerding out about you, but I, I am so, uh, such a fan of yours. I always have, and I always thought you were really funny. I don't think you would do the sarcasm, you know, bit. I, I just wanted to throw it out there. Um, but you, you made me laugh. I was watching the Super Bowl, and I happened to go online at some point during the game. Maureen tweets out When is the Rihanna concert going to start? <laughs> <laughs> when is
2: That actually happened Exactly as I wrote it We're sitting on the couch and saying, When's Rihanna coming on And John said uh, Well they have to set up <laughs> And then there's this pause And he goes It is a football game Yeah <laughs> A lot yeah. of people Probably went Yeah I did not come for the football But uh,
1: So it made me laugh I uh, I did come for the football And during the Rihanna re- I just and Because I'm here I wanted to get away from the TV For a while I wanted to go look at the ocean I'm literally 45 yards away from the the beach here so i didn't see it but i wanted to know what you thought of it and then i'm going to read you a review from somebody who really didn't like it so what did you think of it
2: i loved it i loved it i understood what people didn't like well you know rihanna's a very um in some ways like she's over the top but in other ways she's very chill Mm. and um you know, she she causes excitement, but she doesn't necessarily express it herself. She's just very chill. Mm. And um, and that's the way she performed. And I did laugh when all the sperm came out.
1: You know? <laughs> the Woody Allen sperm. <laughs> I, I saw some pictures. I'm like, didn't we see this in a Woody Allen movie years I th- ago?
2: <laughs> I thought they look like sperm. They look like white blood cells. They look like teeth.
1: <laughs> and Fred asked a good question. I agree with this. Why is it every halftime show now? has to have the performer you know floating in from Hi. from the yeah. heavens
2: i was worried because i could tell she was pregnant right away because that's another thing i wanted yeah. to ask you yeah and i mean and I, I i excuse me i i appreciate like i'm a big fan of hers i appreciated the fact that she didn't do a huge reveal at the end kind of like beyonce did at the grammys years ago when at the end of her opening number she kind of Pulled open, open her jacket To mm. reveal that she was pregnant I mean you you knew that she was But that wasn't the focus of her I'm talking about Rihanna now That wasn't the focus of her entire performance Although it was part of it But I have to tell you uh, I was really nervous knowing, Thinking she was pregnant Watching her sway on mm. this plexiglass stage And just thinking Oh God, this could be the biggest <laughs> disaster in Super Bowl history, in history, in performance history.
1: Mo, did you um, know, did you know, was there any word uh, in the world that she was pregnant before this? Or did you know right away? Is this because of her, what the way she, her baby bump, people were saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. I just could tell it wasn't, that wasn't post. First I thought, oh, wow, she hasn't lost the baby weight. Cause she just had a baby, I guess, mm. about less than six months ago or so on. But no, she had this this firm you
5: know
1: okay you know it's funny i mean not that i'm out of the business but i've been out of the music part of radio and not really keeping up on current events in terms of like that thing i read something i not that i should be surprised that she sold 250 million records
2: oh incredible eh it
1: is incredible and i got nothing against her and i you know, I, I know I, this is going to sound dumb, but uh, I think I can, I can identify one Rihanna song, the Umbrella Ella Ella song, <laughs> only because my kids love that song. I know she has many more because she sold 250 million records.
2: She's a huge collaborator, too. She's, de- she's worked with, well notably Kanye and she performed two of the songs that she recorded with mm-hmm. Kanye and a lot of people had a problem with that. But they're hers too. Yeah, okay. They're her songs too. Um and she's worked with Drake and DJ DJ Khaled. And uh yeah, she's she's a great collaborator so that not only does she have her own Nerve, but she Oof, also uh, takes part in other periods.
1: Pair- <laughs> she, she has her own <laughs> oeuvre, genre <laughs> oeuvre. Uh, and she's also worth $1.4 billion. Yeah,
2: the makeup thing, too. Which she was unapologetic about. She did a little thing where she touched up her makeup. And her Fenty makeup label is, is huge. So yeah. she was criticized for that as well.
1: Well, you may have seen this review. I won't tell you who it is, but I, uh, I'll, t- I'll read it. I'll read a little bit of it, and then you can maybe... Maybe you've seen this. Um, It's hard not to do it in the voice, but I'll try and just read it straight. Epic fail. Rihanna gave, without question, the single worst halftime show in Super Bowl history. This after insulting far more than half our nation, which is already in serious decline with her foul and insulting language. Also, so much for her stylist. Okay, now let me read it in the voice Epic fail, Rihanna gave without question The single worst halftime show in Super Bowl history
2: I should have known it from the single worst From the, from the hyperbole The,
1: the former um, president of the United yeah. States Weighs in I, I, I have no words It's like, is there no, is there no subject This douchebag won't, won't weigh in yeah. on I saw that the day of or whatever I, Again, I was looking at social media And I'm like, are you kidding me? Epic fail. The single worst, he says.
2: <laughs> yeah. But everything is always the worst yes. or the biggest. I think it's a, it's amazing how much time he spends watching television. Oh, yeah. And following social media, probably sitting there with a cheeseburger and a Coke. And,
1: but wh- and what's he referring to with her foul and insulting language? I don't know. All right. I
2: mean, you know... She's very sexual in her performance and, in her, and I guess in her lyrics But I don't think he listens back No, I know I have a question for you Yes, Quick go ahead If Donald Trump asked you to play golf with him Would you say yes? I would not Not even for the anecdotal treasure trove I mean,
1: e- e- Yeah, it's easy to say, you know Yeah, I mean If you had said, okay if a president of the United States asked me to play golf with them, even if you didn't agree with their politics, you know, one of the Bushes or whomever, I'd say, yeah, because of the office, of course I would. And, and a lot of athletes, it's interesting you ask that question, because a lot of athletes have made statements, uh, whether it was Clinton or Obama, where they did not go to the White House when invited. Trump's a whole other thing, because you're right. I mean, for the stories you'd have. But on the surf my first reaction would be, no, I don't I don't know that I could be around the guy now, given the avalanche of shit talk I've given him for three and a half, four years. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that it's interesting. The the real celebrities and the real athletes that sort of stay away from him at the same time, some of them that aren't aren't afraid to be aligned with him. Yeah. What about you?
2: Oh, I just find them so repulsive. Yeah. No, I don't think I could, and I'm not a good enough golfer. And I, (laughs) if that matters. Yeah,
1: I don't think that matters because he's really like he's a legendary, legendary cheater. Yeah, you know the story. uh, A few weeks ago, he said he won his club championship. Do you know this story? No. So somewhere in uh, January, the uh, the week that he had to go to that funeral for those one of the women that supported him. Remember, he had to be in this church for like three and a half hours for a eulogy. And anyway, so that week he had to be at an event on Saturday, the first round of his senior club championship at one of his courses. (laughs) So he went out on like the Tuesday or Wednesday and and shot around by himself and said that score counted as his first round score in the tournament Because he had to go to this uh, funeral on uh, Saturday And then he came back Sunday with a five-shot lead And claims he won the tournament
2: <laughs> like it's, what? It's, it's jaw-dropping
1: you can't, Yeah, it's almost like if you, made, if, you pitch, if you pitch that inside of a movie plot They'd go, no, 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 no one's gonna, no. No one's gonna buy that I know, that's a true story Wow um, anyway, I want to start the uh, I want to start the Tory talk. Uh, but uh, Colin Mockery is going to be with us in about uh, seven minutes time. So why don't we just sort of set, kind of set the table? Let's just unpack it. Let's set the unpacking. And I just want to kind of get your because I'm sure you've met him as as I have. Many oh, times. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: John's been a, a really good friend of ours. Um, For a long time. And uh, we talked about him yesterday and he's always been a great supporter of us. And so but I, I just want to hear what your thoughts were when you first heard this.
2: Well, I was shocked, like everybody didn't didn't think that was his kind of, I didn't think that was his bag, man.
3: His over? Um,
2: <laughs> his over. Uh, I was, I think it's really sad. I think he's been a really good mayor. I mean, there are certain areas that, uh, you know, his stance on the homelessness, uh, the homeless in the city, uh, or sorry, the unhoused in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the most part, I think he's been a really good mayor. I also don't think that that this is anybody's business the the only thing that i mean you know you have an affair that's between you and your your wife the the only thing that i would feel that i would be in a position to judge is that there's always if you're if you're messing around with somebody who is below you at work you know your staff there's an imbalance of power um but again i don't think this was reason for enough for him to resign but he obviously thought it did I wonder if there's more to it and if we'll ever find out. Um, I have heard that he's actually thinking, and this could be wrong, he might be thinking of running again, like resigning, and then that there's been murmurs on the Internet, so you know they're true, mm. that he's been sort of, or as people have been feeling people out saying, what if he were to run There's no reason why he can't run again, but that makes no sense.
0: Yeah, I'm you know, uh,
2: just feeling the waters. But I, I think it's a shame and I... I don't necessarily think this is grounds for him to resign, but well, obviously you, he does.
1: I, I, would, I would agree, and so would Rosie demano, The article, um, there's a woman I mentioned, uh, Julie Fleming, who has been, a, again, a huge supporter of the Humble and Fred Show and always has an interesting take, is a big fan of our you know, Trump talk. Not everyone is. <laughs> and, uh, um, really? Yeah, not everyone's uh, – well, because, you know, yeah. Freddie, Freddie and I can get uh, – you'll find this hard to believe – you know, we can get carried away. No, um, it it got really because because we were so outraged, and it, it doesn't matter. So Rosie DeMano wrote an article, basically echoing kind of what you just said. That like it, it, it's a, it's surprising, and it's sort of a a bit of a sad affair, no pun intended, but not really grounds for him to resign. You know, she starts the article by saying. Um, you know, John Tory led us through a rage, uh, led the city through a ravaging pandemic. He pleaded, uh, pleaded with us to keep a distance, to be cautious, to take care. But somewhere along the line, he threw prudence to the wind. Um, and she goes on to say, you know, he basically, you know, drew close to a woman who was not his wife. And mentions saying, you know, those who live in glass houses, because, you know, that that faux outrage of people like, go, oh, can you imagine? But in the meantime, you know, they're doing what they do in their private lives. And and yes, there's and this is me now. Yes, there's an imbalance in terms of the power structure of John Tory as the mayor and a younger woman. But. It wasn't like a Matt Lauer situation or a Harvey Weinstein situation. He wasn't locking doors and forcing her to do unspeakable things. And I just want to say on behalf of, you know, 28 to 30 year old women who I know, you know, they can make up their own minds. You know, I, I, yes, there's probably I mean, there's an enamored being enamored with the mayor giving you attention. But as a woman, you'll have to admit that. Yes, an older so any man flirting with you will be shut down if you don't flirt back.
2: You I wouldn't say any man. But no but, but I
1: But you know yeah. what I mean? Like okay. I do. Even if it's a person in power. Um and John Tory is not a you know, we we can we can We we know he's not a creepy guy.
2: He's not a lech.
1: He's not a lecherous guy. He's but so whatever whatever signals went back and forth, they went back and forth. Is my point? Yeah. All by way of saying, I don't think he should have resigned either. As I said to Fred yesterday, we had a mayor that was caught drinking vodka out of a paper bag and doing crack, and he didn't resign.
2: He didn't resign. He never
1: resigned.
2: He went on a national uh, American talk Ooh. show and was told he needed to get help. He I needed. mean, that was the that was the lowest of the low. No, mm-hmm. exactly. But that's why I say Howard, and I agree with pretty much everything you just said. But that's why I think there's there must be more to it. I don't think that he would have even been advised to resign um, so quickly. Had their like we don't know we don't know the whole story. And I, don't I, I even think you're right. Deserve to know.
1: I think you're right. But there
2: may be something else there that that he had to get ahead of. He had to put himself in front of it and say, "I'm out of here."
1: Well, you know, again, that's a great point. There's um, again looking at the uh, article, and I'm just sort of skimming it as we're talking. You, you know. You know, Rosie makes a lot of great points. You know, sex scandals don't much have much of a shelf life and little of significance bearing on the commonwealth beyond the thrill of breathless scuttlebutt. Like it, like whatever it w- was going on, it certainly wasn't affecting his ability to run the city. Exactly. He got, he got reelected third term mayor. And, you know, and then, you know, speaking of scuttlebutt, there's the, the idea that, him and his wife haven't really been she lives apart and you know we we don't know what's going on in people's lives and and the fact that uh you know at the time he would have been 65 or 66 and he, and he got the attention of a 27 28 year old woman um yeah it's it's sort of exciting to the public but really you know he didn't again he I don't think he was forcing her against her will
2: no, but I mean, but as far as uh, his wife, Barbara, is concerned, I mean, this this has to be humiliating, no matter what their private deal is, right? It's just like, just do it. Even if they they had an agreement where it's like, do whatever you want, just yeah. don't frighten the horses, you know? Just no. don't. Don't. Don't.
1: don't <laughs> what, what was that phrase? Don't <laughs> frighten the horses? Don't
2: frighten the horses. <laughs> I, I don't. Love my that. father, who's been gone low these many years, is the things that he says they come out through my mouth sometimes. As long as you don't frighten the horses,
1: that's really funny. <laughs> um, all right, well let's just let's just park that for a bit till after our guests here, uh, Colin and Assad, are just standing by. Um, let me make sure we get everybody here I've got it's, it. It looks like I have admitted five different people, but <laughs> well, let me. Uh, let me just get everyone settled. Oh, there's, there's Colin. Colin. Hi, I oh, recognize yeah. Colin. Hi, Colin. Yeah. And then the other person, the other Zoom says Colin and Assad. And Assad. Oh, oh, there's Assad.
2: Look at that.
1: Look, everyone's here. Hi. Hello, gentlemen.
6: Hello. Yeah.
2: Are you okay with the light?
6: I'm just going to change that uh, to Assad instead of.
5: It's okay.
2: It's all right. We know we can tell.
5: Let's I can see oh, you. I'm such a part of his life oh, now.
2: Wait, we've lost your sound. Oh, can you, okay. can you
1: yeah, there you are um okay, great well, listen, I don't Asad, you seem like a nice person, <laughs> it's just uh, I don't know you, but you seem like a nice guy colin mockery i I know you many, many times, Colin has darkened these uh I think this is the first time you've done the show since we've been doing it on zoom though
5: I think so, yeah. I, I think we did a lot we came to your studio
1: that's right the you, last time the last time you were in our big studio in the in the city but uh by way of introduction um these two gentlemen are putting together a show it's called it's actually a, a hybrid it's called hip prov which is the combination of improv under hypnosis uh please welcome colin mockery and asad i want to make sure i'm getting this right mechi or Mechie?
6: It's Mackie,
1: Assad. Welcome to the program. Of course, this is Maureen Holloway filling in for Fred. Fred is not transitioned into a woman, although he'd be very pretty. Um, And um, Colin, I welcome you. How how have you been? How's your family?
5: They're all good. Uh, Yeah, can't complain. You know, just getting older, uh, helping young people like Assad getting a a foothold in showbiz.
1: Well, (laughs) let let's start. Can you explain how the two of you came together with improv and hypnosis?
5: Assad. It's all. It was all his idea.
6: I reached out to Colin through his website, Cold, and his longtime manager Jeff Andrews picked up the email. In it, I outlined the concept of marrying hypnosis and improv together on stage. We met up, and we threw the show up at the Second City Main Stage show. We had no rehearsal. I brought up 20 volunteers. I hypnotized them, whittled it, down, whittled it down to the best five. And then Colin went in and improvised with them. And the show was really well received from there. We ended up workshopping the show at the second city, took it on tour, went to Just for Laughs Montreal, Just for Laughs London, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, went on to 60 dates across North America, and then just came off a 70 city tour. Excuse me, a 70 city run off Broadway. And then we kicked off our national tour in the Maritimes. Uh, about a week ago, so it's been it's been pretty crazy it's been it's been a roller coaster ride it's been a great time.
2: Wow, so how does it work? You hypnotize people and then they do improv with colin
6: that's right so I bring up twenty random volunteers from the audience i don't know them i've never met them before. And I hypnotize them. And people ask me all the time, you know, Assad, how do you know somebody's hypnotized on stage? I'm looking for changes in rate and location of respiration. So breathing changes. You breathe from your upper chest, your middle chest, your lower chest. I'm looking for changes in skin color. You go light to dark, dark to light. I'm looking for changes in skin tone. There's a shininess and dullness to the skin. I'm looking for vasodilation, so the capillaries in the eyes become engorged. Slow, sluggish movement, muted voice, mask-like facial expression. They should have a hypnotic mask or a poker face. So, if I see the trance indicators, then I'll keep them on stage. If I don't, I'll remove them from the stage and send them back to the audience.
1: I, I, before we get to I, Colin, I want to talk about uh, how what it's like improvising with somebody under the under hypnosis. But, but I saw it. I've been fascinated. I've seen a lot of. Uh, hypnosis shows i'm always wondering are you also looking for somebody who really wants to be in the show
6: no so oftentimes people say you know what i think that person was faking the hypnosis mm-hmm. so when people come up on stage and they are really good hypnotic subjects they have, they have, there's an economy to movement so they're they don't move the same way that people who are out of trance move. So meaning they have slow sluggish movement. So the people who put it on, it's, it's even obvious to the audience because they look different than the rest of the people on stage, that economy of movement. The example that, that I usually give is when I give the suggestion to somebody that they're driving a car, a person who's truly hypnotized will drive a car like a, like a person who would normally drive a car on the highway, because it, it gives a suggestion that they're driving a car on the highway. The person who's faking it will look like they're driving a clown car. They will be, <laughs> they, they'll be all over the all over the road. It, it just compl- And they also do more than I ask them to do. So it's, it's evident even to the audience when they start to, you know, you may think that I'm giving some information away here. Um, that that will help these people to infiltrate our close circle of hypervisors, right? Uh, but that's not actually the, the case. They, they're outed so quickly. Oh, okay, well, if, so, so let's assume
1: let's assume they're hypnotized because that's the yeah. premise of this. So, Colin. Yeah. Let's talk about the genesis of this Because as Assad said, it started on you know, Sort of a, a small workshop And now it's worked into a multi-city tour It's something that, first of all You could have never anticipated When this guy calls you out of the blue But no. give us a couple things What was it like the first time That you did a show or did the workshop And then give us some of the What it's like now And, and what are the, some of the differences uh, Improvising with people who, that are hypnotized
5: Okay, here's an exact quote from the first time. We were about to go on stage, and I turned to Assad and go, hey, Assad, if I ask them to do this, will they do it? And he says, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, it depends on the subject. Some of the subjects right away will um, answer you. Some are a little uh, slower in their reaction time, and some just won't do it at all. So that was a little disconcerting. Um, And our first show was... It was a fairly simple show. All the improv were, was very uh, sort of simple, short games. And then as we started doing it more, we realized, that, or I realized, that we there's more we can do with them. As long as we keep the um, what we tell them very simple, then they can follow that. For example, there's a scene where, okay, in this scene, you have to propose to Colin that's perfect. In one sentence, they know exactly what they have to do. They know what the scene is about. So they can't do uh, a complicated scene where they're changing. um, It's a word games or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the show we have now, they're doing more complicated things. We have one scene. that's a film noir, um, radio play. One person's doing all the sound effects and one person is playing all the different characters (laughs) that I meet throughout the case. Wow. So it, 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 It's totally different from working with, you know, real improvisers in that um, they immediately react. There's no hesitation. There's also no, for them, um, foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Like when I'm working with like Ryan or Wayne, when we're doing a scene, even though we're improvising, we're still working towards an ending. But these people, they don't have that. They're just actually in the moment. That's all that they have.
2: Does hypnosis make you lose stage fright or are you like does there is there some transition from being a regular person to being a performer that hypnosis so, might actually help?
6: So the part of the brain that deals with self-reflection becomes disconnected when somebody's hypnotized so they no longer reflect on their behavior. They just carry out my suggestions without hesitation, without question. So they immediately respond. First-time improvisers, they'll hesitate. Mm-hmm.
1: They yeah, lose. You know, they're more nervous. self-conscious.
6: Huh. They're way more self-conscious. Whereas these people are hypnotized, they just carry out my suggestions without hesitation and without question. So call, is, some call, of that work has been.
1: Assad, if I may interject, Colin, so is is Asad are you guys on stage together? And the second part of this is Asad, are you also feeding suggestions to the subjects as subjects at the same time Colin is?
5: At the beginning. um It's sort of split into the first part. Assad is by himself uh, with the induction, putting everyone under. Then I come on once we have the final four, and then we're on stage together because they go in and out of trans states, and uh, Assad is sort of keeping an eye on that, making, reinforcing suggestions, and he does give suggestions throughout the um, throughout the show. Just sometimes, just to screw me up, just.
6: I throw in some twists and turns here and there, some obstacles for Colin, but he always seems to get through them okay.
1: You know, Maureen brought up an interesting subject because, you know, uh, I've done some, Maureen's probably done some, we're doing improv right now, and part of it is, you know, the idea of, you know, uh, accepting suggestions is really the foundation of impro- improv improvisation. So have you found Collins, some people in these, in these shows now that you've done a bunch of them that are actually amazing at this.
5: Oh, every night we have a superstar, someone really? who, um, no hesitation. They're saying the funniest things. They're not trying to be funny. They're just totally reacting to whatever the scene is. Mm-hmm. Um, We've had uh, we had one woman who was our superstar, a young woman. And afterwards, I was talking to her and she was saying, you know, I have crippling social anxiety. Really? No idea why I said I would go up there. It was the best hour of my life. I've never wow. felt relaxed. So in charge. And she was planning to take improv classes and uh, wow. join an improv troupe. So um, it's, it's really been fascinating how. I mean, part of it is it could put me out of a job. Anyway, <laughs> it's showing people how easy it is to improvise once you get out of your own way.
2: But still, you have to have something that deep down that you bring to the table. I mean, a, a hypnosis, notwithstanding, some people are just better at improv than others for whatever oh, reasons. Yeah. And if you, you you are, you know, probably uh, the
5: world's greatest living improviser. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yes. I, I saw where you were going with
2: that. Maria.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's in my notes, but I just sometimes forget to mention that.
5: Yeah, well, let's pick it up a little. Howard Hey,
1: I have. Uh, speaking of Ryan and Colin, and, uh, and I've probably told you this before, but I've known. I've known Ryan Stiles a really long time, back to 1980 at Punchlines in Vancouver. First couple of times I did stand-up was Ryan and I were on the same show. And then he obviously went off to be uh, the second greatest improviser ever. <laughs> um, have they seen the guys that you've been doing improv with a long time? Have they seen your show with these uh, hypnosis?
5: No. Really? Um Well, everybody is uh, touring, so it's rare that we're in the the same city, let alone able to see each other's shows. But we have – because I'm not always available to do the show, we have – we're getting some rotating – Improvisers, and hopefully, I think we're working also on some rotating uh, hypnotists Mm. so we can sort of franchise this and do this all around the world and um, uh, keep it going. So, Greg Proofs is is interested in doing it, and Jeff Davis from Whose Line? So, Ryan will never do it because he's. (laughs) Why? He, he, I don't know. He's an an odd guy. I love him. I mean, I love him. He is an odd guy. He won't do the travel.
6: When we were off Broadway, we had uh, Stephanie Courtney fill in for Colin, whose uh, flow from the progressive commercials, believe it or not. We had right. Jeff Hiller from uh, America, American Horror Story. He he filled in and he's got his own show on HBO called Somebody Somewhere. We had Jonathan Mangum, the voice of Let's Make a Deal, the longtime partner, Wayne Brady. He came in, filled in for the show. And then we had Barrett Foa, who is from NCIS, uh, Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken, he came in and was the improviser on the show. So it's it's been a lot of fun. We've had everybody brings their own twist to the show.
1: It's mind blowing when I think about how this conversation started with you saying you you cold uh, approached Colin Marker. You had no idea. You had no, you just sort of took a chance, and you had this notion that this might work. What, what was? Do you remember that moment? I don't want to say the Eureka moment. What, what? When did you say to yourself, Assad? Like, you know what? I picture this would work.
6: I was actually taking courses at the Second City to get better at my craft. I was doing my solo one-man show, uh, HypnoHype, where I was the solo uh, hypnotist on stage, performing with the the twenty volunteers who were hypnotized. And I wanted to get better at my craft, so I took courses at the Second City and. Oftentimes, the instructors would say, get out of your head. You're too much in your head. And they were addressing the new improvisers in the class, not just me. But then I realized what they were doing. They were doing a ton of games to engage the conscious mind of the people that were taking the class. And then they were trying to get unconscious functioning. They were trying to get off the cuff knee-jerk reactions from the people and they're training them to do that. So in other words, when get out of your head means to me as a hypnotist, stop consciously constructing the comedy, stop trying so hard, stop thinking, and stop trying so hard to be funny. So I thought, wait a second, with hypnosis, you're moving the conscious mind aside, the critical analytical part of the mind, the part of the, 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 mind, the mind that you're using right now is taking information, and you're working directly with the unconscious mind. So is there a hack possibly uh, for this process? And the answer has been a resounding yes, so you can actually hypnotize people who have no experience with improv and turn them into great improvisers so then it, the, the second part of this really was you know, how do we raise the stakes even further what if we take these people who are, who are hypnotized and really good improvisers and then put them in scenes with the world's greatest, greatest living greatest improv- improv- improviser I mean unbelievable really <sighs> Well
1: listen, man. I, I I want everyone to know the show is called Hip Prov. H Y P R O V. the show is called Hip Prov, Improv Under Hypnosis, uh, parenthetically with the world's greatest living improviser.
5: Yeah, I'd be funny Mochery. to get that on the poster, apparently. It's, it's yeah. A lot of words.
1: It's it's really bullshit that it's not. Um Colin Mockery. Uh, and uh, Asad. Thank you so much. We're, take, there's still a couple shows. There's one in Brampton on the 16th and one in... Sold out. Sold out. Forget that show. Oakville's, you can't go.
6: Oakville's sold out. Sold out. Wow. Forget Gold that. Hill was sold out. Who do you think and you then- are
1: trying to go to those shows? You can't go. <laughs>
6: Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, there's there's wow. some tickets left, I think, for... There's singles left for uh, the National Arts Center in Ottawa, and there's uh, some singles left for the the show in Brantford, but I, it's just been, the fans have been fantastic.
1: Well, Colin, uh, you Colin sort of hinted at the, an idea of sort of, and then it's really intriguing to me that you can sort of franchise this idea. Basically, like you would any theatrical show, it can be performed by other people. Um, right. So are, if just, and, and again, sorry for being, I'm just curious. Are you, are you two the, are you co-owners of, uh, hip now? Is that the, Colin's going. Yes, go. we are right. Howard. There's no times that we I can't buy any shares.
6: Yes, yes <laughs> oh, we're yeah. biz- yes we're we're business partners along with Jeff Andrews, who's Colin's Colin Mockery's manager, and then right. my wife, believe it or not, Sarah Power. She happens to be a leader well.
1: That's a huge mistake well. because that can't last forever. Look at John Tory for crying <laughs> out loud!
6: John wow, <laughs> you, you went there, eh? Howard.
1: Oh, this? I'm sorry. No, I wish. <laughs> would you like to hypnotize me first before I say ridiculous shit?
6: Well, let me tell you something. Here's something interesting. Uh, Colin always gets asked in interviews, Colin, has Assad ever hypnotized you? Yes, Colin. So the answer is no. We jokingly say, well, he, he answered my email very quickly and agreed to the project really quickly. So who knows? Right. right. That's, the, that's always the joke. But to this weekend on Friday, uh, I've got a partnership with the Four Seasons where I'm working with clients for – as a consulting hypnotist for weight loss and stress management and peak performance so Colin's going to come in on Friday I'm going to hypnotize them excuse me hypnotize them and we're going to videotape it so. can I just say that was the most subtle commercial I've ever <laughs> seen, <anybody> <laughs> seen <laughs> to an interview that's
1: yeah, really funny fun. Colin
6: you got to do what you got to do man <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nice
1: listen have. man uh, Colin always a pleasure to uh, see you you're just a sweet sweet person and I saw it all congratulations my friend that's amazing I love hearing stories of people that you you took a chance and it's paid off. And and this show is going to be running apparently around the world and around the country. Uh, If you are listening somewhere else other than southern Ontario, uh, where can people find out more information about it, guys?
6: You can go to hipprov.com, dot H Y P or R O V. Let me try that again. HYPROV.com hip. All
5: right, my friend. Uh, listen guys. Also, I just got contacted by a ventriloquist, so keep an <laughs> eye on <with him. laughs>
6: That's right.
5: <Hey. laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that is really
1: funny. Well, listen, the whole <laughs> thing has been an experience. Colin, all the best to you and get uh, give my best to Deb. Love Assad thing. some other time, my friend, okay? Thank you. That is pretty good, uh, Colin Mockery and Assad. Thank you very much. Hip Improv under hypnosis. Go check it out online, and we'll see you guys. Just let yourself out of the room. You know the thank hell you, you want. Dun, 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 dun. Um, just you hang know on What a I se- was thinking. Yes, please that, tell me.
2: That hypnosis would help your go- not your one's golf swing.
1: It does actually. There's does lots it? of uh, yeah. There's lots of uh, research that. Uh, We've talked a little bit about it on Swing Thoughts, where um, things like hypnosis, meditation is huge, mindfulness is big in the world of sport these days, it's a big buzzword, Sam Harris is uh, from the app uh, Waking Up, Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Just pause for a second while I uh, just do a little Freddy time here, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that.
4: Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business, small business being, say, one to a hundred employees. If you've thought about having a benefit package for your small business, this is the way to go. Go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote today. It's right there. All the information you need. Uh, There's prescriptions. There's dental. Uh, there's therapies. There's the travel component that we talk about uh, so much. Uh, there's a mental health component now. An HR department. Yeah, it's all there and all affordable. They've done a great job of keeping the premiums down for small business, which is very important, obviously. It's the Chambers Plan, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. Very nice. Yeah that was uh, That was fascinating Have you ever been hypnotized?
2: No No one's offered <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, That is fun It's quite an ask oh, Maureen listen I was just wondering um, You yeah. know I know this is our first date But uh,
2: <laughs> I'm mean, um, really
1: <laughs> I have been uh, Years ago I tried hypnosis To try and quit smoking um, I've never been in a uh, theatrical show where they called people up on stage to you know, volunteer from the audience. And I sort of, again, I didn't, I didn't want to push the guy too much by saying, I, I think from my experience, there are tells just like a, a card player that hip, hypnosis.
2: Hypnotist. Thank you.
1: Hypnosis, guys. Um, <laughs> fucking idiot that I am. Um <laughs> that hypnotists will yes he mentioned a bunch of things the physical changing the flushing of the skin the dilation of the eye but i think there's just tells there's just people that they they learn to recognize the signs of somebody that is willing to go through this experience i don't know again i'm not not trying to be cynical or but but hey listen all the power to these guys have created a product that didn't exist before and it sounds like it's going to be a... Uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to be doing shows forever.
2: They say you can't hypnotize someone who doesn't want to be hypnotized.
1: This is my point. Yeah. That you have to... And, I, and in the limited experience I had trying to quit smoking, by the way, you know, it worked for a few days, but that's not ultimately how I quit. I never felt... And let me just pause and say, they use hypnosis in psychotherapy all the time. I never felt in those moments like I wasn't able to... Like, that whole thing of, like, the people won't do, and I should have brought this up. People won't do what, as you said, won't do what they don't want to do, no matter what it And is. They're not going to hurt themselves, or, you know, they're not going to say something they wouldn't possibly say, but it's a great idea, marrying those two uh, states of mind, you know.
2: Seems to work for them. Yeah. In terms of putting on a show, which is what it's all about.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I want to uh, get back if we can. I want to read Julie Fleming's uh, note here in a second. But first I want to uh, mention, let me just get some music here, Maureen. You know, it's not like the old days where we had fancy people doing all Staff. our... Staff. <laughs> where we had fancy people doing all the behind the scenes work. It's just you and me.
2: I know. Mostly um, you.
1: Well, as you found out from doing uh, Women of Ill Repute, it's like, oh. didn't we used to have people do this shit where for are, Where are people down here? <laughs> That's right Where'd all the people go? Uh, I want to mention uh, Let me find it here God, I got a lot of stuff in front of me.
0: Uh,
1: To to, uh, AaronVentures.com. That's what I want to talk about. An emerging international junior mining and exploration company engaged in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties. Aaron Ventures' strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities within Canada and various regions internationally. The company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves, mainly boron. Go check this company out. Developing current properties and through the acquisition of additional mining projects. AaronVentures.com Have your uh, financial people take a look at this company. I think you'll be impressed. AaronVentures.com Just to pick up that thread that we were uh, picking at a little bit, uh, the John Tory thing. You know, knowing uh, him and I mentioned yesterday when I and when Fred and I went to the mix in uh, 2003, (laughs) a period that whenever I bring it up, Fred still gets a little bit, you know, a little bit twitchy. Um, It wasn't the greatest experience, but, you know, like any other experience, it was what it was. And uh, John Tory's campaign office. You know the so you know if you're looking at the the entrance to St Clair and Young there the the off, on St Clair that building I think it was a bank at one time that's how that was his campaign headquarters and speaking of smoking I used to go down there for cigarettes and sort of talking to some of the people that worked there got to know John and that's how we all met isn't it isn't it weird or do you find it weird when you sort of know somebody who's quite well known and then something like this happens yeah. It seems a bit. Feel
2: like you want to. (laughs) I, Wendy and Mesley and I were talking about you know should we talk who should we have on the show and we don't tend to be topical um, because it's a podcast that's you know you want it to live on and not jump on a story that was going to seem out of date in a few months but we were like who can we talk to about John Tory and. I think we both thought, well, we know John Tory. <laughs> Why can't we talk to John Tory? And uh, well, because uh, he's not talking. But yeah, it's that feeling that you know. I, I don't know him particularly well. We've had uh, my my weirdest moment was I had John Tory on as a guest on the morning show I was doing at CHFI, and Gord Downey died that morning, mm-hmm. and we and they came in and told us we had to go from commercial break to talking about Gord Downey. Of course, he didn't m- miss a beat. The thing about John Tory is he can talk about anything at any time, yeah. whether you like that or not. Uh, but still, it was a moment, right? And and he, I, every time I've met him, you know, he I was always – I was thrilled that he knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And he makes a point of knowing who everybody is. And he's a very good politician. And we all know how hard work- working he is. And, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I, I've had a number of friends who've fallen into – Holes In their lives uh, High profile people And there is that And there is that feeling that Is there something I could have done? Or is there something <laughs> well, uh, I could well, do? I just to pick which, off, which is ridiculous uh, but. On, what
1: you, on what you said about John Like John had a, an ability And again that's what I, I remember From the early days of knowing him How he always made me and Fred He made it seem like he was a fan of our show and he yes. knew all about yes. us. And you know, he had us on his, uh, his talk show on CFRB. So we would do John's, uh, John Moore in the morning. We did the round table with him once a week and we did Tori's show once a week. When at the time we started the podcast when it really made a big difference to us, but we had John on, I talked about this yesterday. We had John on, um, at the Christmas show just a few months ago. Wow. So this affair was still going on. And I, you know, I,
2: <laughs> it was when you put it in context
1: this affair was still going on because they in the press release they mentioned that it ended early this year well early this year is only 6 weeks old yeah and how we got john on the show is i texted him like i you know and that's another thing i wanted to ask you i was thinking about this yesterday i i feel like i want to just send him a note yeah, do you think no. that's a, not appropriate I, no yeah
2: it's, i just want to
1: send him a note and say hey thinking about you you know, sorry you're going through some stuff. Just want you to know that Fred and I uh, are always you a- appreciate you. And, you know, not I think you
2: a- just did, by the way. <laughs> I think you just did. You just put that out there in the universe. But there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, like I said, I've had several people that, as you have throughout the years, fall into a situation where they've been publicly decried.
1: Got the horses all excited,
2: <laughs> got the horses, frightened the horses. <laughs>
7: Got the
1: horses a bit skittish What the hell's going on with the horses It's
2: all okay until you frighten the horses I fucking love that And I've reached out I have reached out Good it it's usually deeply appreciated But it also makes me feel You know, a lot of people fall by the wayside When if something bad happens to you You really find out who your friends are uh, and also, th- you test their mettle, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with showing your support to John Tory as a person. No, I, I don't think, yeah, um, I, and this I, is it, probably the worst time of it, worst thing that's ever happened to him in his life. Yeah, for whatever reason, and there's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, showing some some. So just a
1: connection, empathy, empathy a human yeah. moment. Uh, yeah. So this woman, Julie Fleming, who's a, a very bright, bright human being and always has something interesting to say. I'll just she's uh, we usually do our emails on Thursday, but I'll just quickly mention that she had written sort of commented on the Rosie D'Amano article. And Julie is the one that sent it to me. And Julie, I always appreciate you keeping me up to date on these. She goes, uh, basically, Julie's point is people will see this in different ways. Perhaps there's no single opinion that's correct. I also think it's too harsh, but he is holding himself again to a higher standard. She goes on to say that, you know, him and his wife have been living apart. We don't know everything. As you've mentioned, you know, there's got to be something going on. She says, though, the woman, 28, when the affair started, is not a victim. She's an adult. The case that I made. They both made a choice. She has a great job now working for Maple Leaf. You know, she's working for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Which he's still a board member on, so I'm sure that helped. But she says this at the end I can't understand how the woman could be attracted to so, someone so much older, um, including Tory. She must have been motivated by something else. I don't really care. I'm annoyed that we'll end up with a left leaning mayor as a result. The candidates being discussed are all left wing. It's also horrible that hundreds of millions will be spent on another election.
2: Yeah. I disagree with the first point and I agree with the second. It is a shame that we're going to have to go into an election and we don't seem to have any, in my opinion, uh, likely candidates. But as far as being, a cha- I mean, who are we to question why one, uh, why someone's attracted to somebody? I mean, people fi- are attracted for maybe she's got daddy issues. I don't know. It uh, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That's not the point.
1: Yeah. Well, as I said to you earlier, and again, People listening to the show know that in 2011, for, for during when the program started, and again, this we had some conversations with John. <clears throat> well, I was involved with a slightly younger woman, um, 24 a slightly years,
2: slightly younger, like what six months, or? 24. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah,
1: okay, but, but for a long time, like I was with this woman for almost seven years, yeah, and so and and Fred used to take great delight. In, I bet in, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah It was quite I'm Pointing it out it, Pointing it out To anyone And everyone Including <laughs> I'll guarantee There's audio somewhere If we wanted to be Really you know If we had real people You know other than Not that Boone's not real people But if we had staff <laughs> We could find a lot of audio Of Fred saying to John Tory, When it doesn't matter What Howard's saying His girlfriend's 24 years Younger than him wh- wow. Who cares So I can tell you, um, it's it's so funny because I used to say, uh, you know, her name was whatever, but her indigenous name is Daddy Issues. Um, So I, yes, people would say, you know, why would she be attracted to you? And and I said, listen, whatever was started, however this started, after year two or three, it's like any other relationship. So I can kind of relate to the idea that, You know, I never thought I would be that guy, but when I met her, you know, I wasn't married anymore and I was not, I never really was the kind of hit on the cart girl kind of guy. I always found that creepy. But to be honest, she sort of, she showed, she gave me some buying signals before I did. And so once I got those signals, I'm like, well, of course I'm going to respond. And I, that's why I say, you know, whatever this woman's motivation in starting this with John Tory, she had to have. As much, she was interested as well, is what I'm trying to say.
2: She was not, yeah. And I mean, she was, sorry, you said 27 or 28 when this started?
1: With Tori, yes.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, one of the happiest marriages I know right now is Terry DeMonte, who Mm. uh, is, he is 30 years older than Jess. First marriage for both of them. And they are, I mean, he's just, he just underwent heart surgery and he's recovering. It's just brutal, but he, hopefully he's going to be okay. He's on the road, but um, he and Jess are meant to be together, and it's not so much the, the this, you know, St. Valentine's Day, or do we say Saint anymore? Just Valentine's Day uh, romance. They are just two people who belong together, and the 30 years a year difference doesn't seem to matter at all. Uh, I know other men my age who have left their wives for 24-year-olds Um. And I can tell you, that's, from my perspective, that's a social nightmare.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) When my kids are in their 20s, you know, Mm -hmm. dinners, barbecues are a little awkward.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, believe me. I could tell you some stories of many, many awkward situations, not the least of which I was older than her parents.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just by by a year or two.
1: I've
2: been in those situations, and they're weird.
1: But, you know, it's funny. Ultimately when anyone would be around us, any other couples, you know, it was much like you mentioned about Terry and his wife. Um, we were a good couple. And, uh, it, you know, it, it ended because I didn't want to go to the next phase, which was marriage and, and having children, children again. Yeah. And That's really, but, but we had a, you know, we had a lot more in common than not. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and again, you know, there's the, you know, it's so funny. There's you know, we're, we're, we're in a, a time in society where we're, we're happy to dispel all kinds of social um, former taboos, but that older man, younger woman, it still has some stink on it.
2: What about an older woman, younger man?
1: But, but I'll, which, would, by the way, doesn't have the same stink, or that's not the right word, doesn't have the same stigma as an older, because I'll tell you what, when an older woman is with a younger man, it's like... Uh, almost like a triumphant it's like a victory when an older man is with a younger woman it's like oh that creepy old it it just is because i had people say just ridiculous things to me is this your daughter you mean the woman who's whose tongue's in my mouth right now no that's that's not my daughter we don't kiss in public but you know my real daughter and i don't kiss in public
2: well, not that way. Anyway. Not that way, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- there's this is a huge discussion. You could spend so much time on it, but there is a biological imperative behind it all. I mean, one yeah, of the of reasons course. why men, older men, and younger women have always happened is because, you know, you have to populate the earth, and you got to get with a woman who can have babies, whereas an older woman and a younger man doesn't serve any biological imperative. That's, that's there for, who knows, for, for pleasure, sure. or, as you put it <laughs> as a trophy. Um, but yeah, I mean, whatever blows your skirt up whatever doesn't frighten the horses.
1: Exactly. Because <laughs> uh, I can tell you, I frightened a lot of horses. There were a lot <laughs> of my, there were, and, and you have to like, uh, you know, and it was, uh, it, it was funny because we would travel. I came down here with her and at first people would look and stare and it was a little bit of, you know, you know, no matter how young as a man, you think you still look, you don't look that young. And, yeah. um, but usually when people would spend any time with us, they would always come away with the idea that, you know, you're, you're just like any other couple. You know, we would laugh, and we would have funny little arguments, and we were... They could see that when I... Here's what usually would would, would stop their sort of curiosity is when I would tell them how long we were together. Like, it wasn't yeah. just some chick I picked up. This was somebody I was in, like, a three-, four-, five-, six-year relationship. Um, Dan Duran is back. There's a great... Yes. Dan has also
3: dabbled in those murky waters.
2: Much younger women.
3: Well, I've dated uh, different people. So anyway. <laughs> wow. So you know, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> I'm bearing my
1: soul. Uh, I told I've I've, all I've been I've been telling I've been doing the real talk on the show and and Mr. Christmas um, Tree comes back. Mr.
0: Christmas tree.
1: <laughs> Listen, you know what, Dan? You're well, bird, apparently, tree. It's the bird tree.
2: She still believes in the Santa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There you go. That's how much younger she is. Uh, although, no, listen, Lisa, Dan's girlfriend, is age-appropriate, but looks much younger. Can we say that?
3: She's over here, yes. She's, uh...
1: She, right. she agrees. Yeah. yeah, this is not the day to talk about Dan's younger girlfriend. This is the day where we celebrate this.
7: Uh, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. his voice is nice and low. Huh! Dandaran the anchorman, comes and asks for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Durand, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he
3: don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from Lisa's uh,
1: dining room, in front of the uh decorative uh, bird tree
3: with news and views here's dan duran would you drink move coca-cola is introducing its latest limited time offering called coca-cola move mm. in collaboration with grammy award-winning singer rosalia it's uh, similar to other beverages released under the coca-cola creations platform the beverage doesn't promote a flavor such as uh, uh, cola, cherry, or vanilla, but a mood. In this case, it's transformation. A way of self-expression that is powerful and resonant for today's generation, especially through music. The move, it stores uh, in the U.S. and Canada on February 20th. Uh, last year, rolled out uh, Coca-Cola Starlight, Coca-Cola Bite. Uh, Artist Marshmallows Limited Edition Coca-Cola And Coca-Cola Dream World mm. I've been, never heard any of those Never saw any of them uh, Of course I'm not much of a soda drinker anyway So
1: um, I have had uh, some flavored uh, Coca-Cola offerings uh, In my adult life Semi-adult life <laughs> um, I've had uh, Cherry Coke And I've had Vanilla Coke That's probably as close Vanilla Coke was pretty good or Diet Coke, whatever what about you, Mo? Do you drink a lot of soda? What is what is no. your drink of choice?
2: Like alcoholic or non? Uh, either. <laughs> did, did I say that too quickly? How do, how do you... Uh, <laughs> how does one... How, let's,
1: let's talk to Maureen Holloway about her hydration.
2: Well, <laughs> oh, if, if I... I don't... Uh, I'm, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a pop or a soda uh, drinker at all. Mm. But, uh, but I will drink sparkly water with, with flavor in it. You
3: know, yeah, I like it. Thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't we, done a deep dive on on the uh, the soft drink industry, but I do know that there's some, mm-hmm. some trending away from sugar drinks. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. It's concerned for well, uh, that surprises for me, Dan. Resources.
1: I would have thought before you did this story, you would have done a deep dive on the soft drink industry. But, uh, you know, I, did a- I guess you've been busy decorating <laughs> the the bird tree for Valentine's Day.
3: I just skimmed the surface of the no. uh, beverage
5: Um <laughs>
1: I had uh, – Maureen doesn't know this, but, you know, there's a lot of things uh, physically wrong with me, uh, including I've had some stomach issues. And a couple months ago – I stopped drinking years ago, but in, in the last seven years, I, I just – when I drink, I just drink, like, you know, cranberry and soda, something in soda. And and yeah. this uh, wonderful nutritionist said, you know, maybe part of your stomach issues is how much carbonated beverages you're drinking. And Dan will attest it at my place, I literally have, you know, at any given time, 10 to 15 bottles of all kinds of soda water and I've stopped drinking it. Um, it's made a little bit of a difference, but I kind of miss that, that bite you get.
2: Carbonation was actually good to settle your stomach. I thought like that's what that we all have those. What are they called? The where you make your own fizzy soda, water soda stream. Soda stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and I thought that that was actually better for you. But I, you know, what do I know,
1: maybe better for you than pop. But I mean, not better for you than regular water. And that the, the no. and, and here's the thing, you know. And Dan, Dan, how many bottles of that when I when I quit drinking? Well, your it, wine it, cellar turned into <laughs> that's a. <right>. Uh,
2: <laughs> but what did you do with your wine cellar?
1: Uh, turn it into a soda cellar.
2: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Who just, doesn't <laughs> want to come down and see that?
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> This is a vintage uh, San Pellegrino. This was bottled. Hey, look, it was bottled just in November. Anyway. um, Dan, before we get to your second story, may I take a moment here and just talk about the wonderful golf course that I'm getting to play, the PGA Riviera Maya Uh, I'm so lucky. It's an impressive landscaping work in which renowned Robert Trent Jones II has managed to create a spectacular synergy by integrating the golf course into the Mayan jungle. I don't know, Mo, if you've ever played golf here in Mexico, but it's pretty challenging because it's... There's really no like fairway rough and then the trouble. It's just basically fairway jungle, but it's yeah. it's fascinating. This is 27 holes, as I mentioned yesterday. It's a part of uh, Mexico's Bahia Principe complex and is located in the Riviera Maya area, about 15 miles, about 30 k from the town of Tulum, which a lot of people think is one of the trendiest destination um, places in the area. And, again, I've been really lucky. The people there, as, again, I mentioned yesterday, the people there have been so kind to me. And I, and part of the reason I'm getting to play there, beside this um, announcement, is um, my brother and his lady, are uh, they're they members there. And, 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 you know, like a lot of courses in Mexico, you know, there's packages available. If you're a resident, you can always find a, a, a deal. And PGA Riviera Maya is no exception. If you're staying at the Complex... You know, it's not too expensive. Even if you're booking online, which you can do at uh, PGA com. even if you're doing that, it's pretty reasonable. If you're in this area between Playa and Tulum, even if you're staying in Cancun, it's going to be worth the drive. PGA Riviera Maya is the uh, winter home of uh, Swing Thoughts, the uh, golf podcast. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. It's my winter home. And... uh and and, another thing I I didn't mention this yesterday but I'm taking Spanish and I've been taking it for a long time this last time I've been on a six or seven week run of taking uh, lessons and uh, it's kind of cool because I get to you know do my lesson and then go to the golf course and try out different words and uh, I'll just say in a word I'm pathetic it's really ridiculous (laughs) Like, but I was the guys there that work there. One in particular, Sergio, is my contact. They're so kind when it comes to my stumbling through Spanish. So I've learned a bunch of you know golf terms. And uh, yesterday I learned this term. You know, one of the things I uh, I like to say is a not as a joke, but you know, one of the things you know when people say how you doing, I say well, every day is a gift. You know, I I know it seems. Weird, but I kind of believe that, and I just I learned this phrase yesterday from one of the caddies, well, not one of the caddies, one of the guys that works there. As I said, en español, how would I say this? And uh, every day's a gift is todos los dias es un regalo. Regalo, a regalo. Yeah. Todos los dias es un regalo, and uh, it certainly is at PGA dot com.
3: Okay. Do the uh, Do the Spanish also have, you have a, a different? Like, is the word for birdie and eagle the same? Yeah, same or, or they have got a different term for that? That's a great question.
2: I've played. I've played golf in Spain and Portugal. Portuguese. And Portuguese. But, Portuguese. Um, I speak a little Spanish. I studied it for years. I in love school. it. It's a beautiful language, but they use the same words. Uh, at least they did in Spain in the pro shop or maybe they were just they would be speaking Spanish but they they use the same you know
1: yeah here's the kind of Spanish I speak like I can say a bunch of stuff and I'm doing I'm doing okay online like I'm doing the Duolingo course it's just when I say it out loud and somebody says something back to me that's where I... Because the, the
2: things... <laughs> Are you listening. listening. Yeah, no, it, no,
1: it's because it goes by so fast. Like I can, you know, like I, I go to the same coffee shop every day and I say, uh, yo quiero un café uh, decaffeinado, uh, um crema, por favor. Y, uh, and I, I can say that pretty well. Yeah. I just basically ask for a decaf coffee, no cream. And then they'll come back with a question like, do you want something to eat? And I'm like, I'm st- <laughs> standing there like, you know, a child like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we ask you the same thing every day, gringo. Yeah. We're asking if you want something to eat. Anyway.
2: Um, they, they sp- Spanish is a, a language spoken very rapidly. Yes. And that's what throws you. I, I studied it for years and finally went to, like, I studied Spanish for nine years and finally went to Spain telling everyone, we'll be Okay. I can speak Spanish, <laughs> yes, and we arrived first of all in Spain. They have like at least half a dozen dialects and that don 't sound at all like each other and We were there the, f- the first day and i pe- 'd and say buenos dias and then they just start to- and I had no idea because no. You, couldn't, you can't, your ear can 't keep up
1: Why is it that and i, I, I don 't know if you 've ever had this experience, Dan, but why is it that like it, it, when it comes to writing and reading it, and then this is what i 've been doing on my course. I, I, You know, when I'm prompted to guess the missing word or what did you hear, I, I can do it in, in sort of slow time. But as you just said, Maureen, like when the conversation starts beyond what I was expecting, I'm
3: just lost. Um, but I really like because to try because your focus is, is you're so focused on trying to, tra- you know, like translate it in your head. Right. It probably just take yes. your processor can't react as fast.
1: No, that's exactly it, Dan. I know, Mo, like, I I don't know if you ever got in in all your Spanish that where you stopped going back and forth, because that's what I do. I go, okay, I want to say this. What are the words that mean that? And then if they say this, what will I say?
2: You need to take a, I don't know what your course is like, but I mean, you can study Spanish all you want. The best course I ever took was conversational Spanish, where Mm -hmm. they didn't, they just dispensed with the the textbooks and the, the grammar. I mean, you had to have some grounding, but then all you did was converse. So after a while, you relax and actually listen. And it's almost like... You know, when you go to see a Shakespearean play and for the first 10 minutes you can and can't understand anything, mm-hmm. if the iambic pentameter is foreign and then your brain kind of clicks and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I can totally understand what they're saying. The same thing I think applies to listening to another language when you stop worrying about what you're going to say. Yeah. And just relax It's like hypnosis It's like your golf swing (laughs)
1: No, you're right Get Get out of your head It's exactly it And 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 I'm I'm thinking of transitioning to another app Where it's just It's called Gritty Spanish It's just conversational Um, Meanwhile, we're going to have Dan Can you hang on a second? Because we're going to have to uh, transition here um, And start talking about the uh, amazing world Of electric vehicles Uh, Daryl Croft is standing by and, and you're right, Mo It's like there's a I, what, What's holding me back And I think a lot of people Is kind of self-consciousness Although being the ham that I am You know Like I'm just throwing around Like 18 phrases every day And, and I'm just, I sound like I know what I'm doing and <laughs> But you I, don't I have no idea <laughs> I keep saying things like Compromiso Desculpa, por favor And they're like Oh, he's pretty good Hey, Daryl Croft How are you, my brother? I'm good,
7: Howard. It sounds like you're
1: having a good time. Hey, look at are you! Looking, look who's here. I'm going to introduce Daryl Croft from Electric Vehicle Network. This is the legendary Maureen Holloway. How you like are them good. apples?
7: I can barely <laughs> speak right now. I huh? like. She's like my sister from a long time that I've never met. I I just feel like I know her so well.
1: Yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah, all those years you said you were listening to the Humble and Fred show, you really had Voldemort and his uh, hilarious uh, (laughs) co-host. So you are familiar with Maureen's work. Of course you are.
7: Yes, of course. Absolutely. Well, why don't we... She has a magical voice, too. She does. Like, I could... I
2: could listen to her all day long. Oh, bless. Just be <laughs> grateful you don't have to.
1: <laughs> yes, let's talk to her husband about that. Um, <laughs> hey, Daryl, why don't you uh, get Maureen familiar with uh, you know, uh, what you're doing and, and, and why Electric Vehicle Network is so different as a as a model in terms of not just electric vehicles, but sort of the you've turned the 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 car dealing model up on its uh, ear a little bit. Maybe you could explain to Maureen and the rest of us um, once again why your why your offering is so unique.
7: Sure, sure. So, Maureen, I'm a big EV fan. I've been around cars my whole life, and I realize EVs are so much better in so many ways. But we've got a lot of people that have to have that experience, right? And and, uh, if you've never been in an EV, you really don't know what I'm talking about. So, I started thinking, how can people... Figure out if it's for them, if they like it. And and it's really hard to think someone's just going to buy an EV without knowing what they're, what they're getting into. So we launched a service so that people could rent a variety of EVs for a day or a week or whatever they want. Because also when you buy a vehicle, it's not just you. It's your kids. It's your significant other. It's your pet. Who's going to like the car or not, right? So we, we launched this system allowing people to try it, and then they could buy it. They could buy that car or they could buy something like it. So instead of thinking you're going to a place with hundreds of cars sitting around collecting ice and dust, we have a wide selection. When you pick what you want and you figure out – and most people, when they come in, they think they have one idea in mind. But at the end, they choose a different vehicle when Mm -hmm. they get to try it out. So – you avoid that mistake, and then at that point, you figure out, oh, I like this, I don't like that. It's worked out really well, because nowhere can you really try before you buy on on an EV. And, and we focus on the pre-owned because we deal in reality. Uh, EVs are in such high demand. You, we have so many people on the list for years waiting to get a new EV. So why wait for years? Why not get into something today? That's that's how we
1: operate. Well, you know, and cool. Maureen, I was going to say, you know, we've all bought cars before. And so sometimes, you know, you, you sort of have an idea of what you want. You go into the dealership, you take it for a test drive, and then you leave with it or you make, make the purchase then. But having never really been into an electric vehicle t- until the day I met you, Like, I didn't know what it was going to be like. It's a completely different experience. But what you've done, too, Daryl, is, you know, you go to a dealership, whether it's an EV or not, you sort of get a little test drive and that's it. You don't know if you're going to like that car for the weekend, for the week. But what you did, Daryl, that's so unique is that you can rent an EV from Daryl for 24 hours or seven days and really get to kind of absorb the experience. Isn't that right?
7: Yeah, it really is. And and the more you get into an EV, because people are worried about the simplest thing, plugging it in. Mm. But if you never did it before, it's like, oh, it's scary. Where am I going to go? So you actually have to have enough time with the vehicle to go to try it where you live, where you work, see how it is. And then you go, wow, this is nothing. It's simple, right? And then, but you do need an app. Like if you're going somewhere to where you've never been, the app tells you where the chargers are. So you go through that little bit of learning experience that everyone is going to go through. All Canadians are going to go through just a matter of when they do, right? So we know there's millions of people going to go through. We said, let's get out of the gate early. And as Howard said, traditional car business isn't built that way. What? You mean you're going to take my car for the week and maybe you'll keep it? Maybe you won't? Who does that? But we figured it's the only way to help people do it. And, And it's been really well received so far. Just we're still small and new here in Toronto. So people are learning about us. But the word is spreading pretty quick.
2: Well, I can tell i my husband has a an e v and uh oh. yeah, bought one a year and a half ago and loves it. We all love it. Um, And yeah, the infrastructure is really growing. And I was really worried that you can't go anywhere without knowing where the next stop is. Mm -hmm. And and you have to plan ahead. Because, you know, for example, we can't get to our cottage without stopping in Perry Sound, but they're set up for that. And so you build that in, you need 20 minutes to recharge and go grocery shopping. So really, it, it, it makes you more mindful to use that word again. And, yeah. um, and, of course, it's environmentally uh, worthy. You know, I was so, going to ask you good about for that.
1: Because here's the funny thing. Like in the, in the wintertime, basically from the end of the golf season to the beginning of the next golf season, I'm really, I don't really go outside the city very much. So I've now had access to one of Daryl's cars for, what are we saying, Daryl? November, December, January. I have never once, because I've charged it in my garage so i'm about to when i get back from this uh holiday experience what it's like to plan and but i've been doing some research daryl it's they're ubiquitous i love they're that everywhere word. they're yes. everywhere and you know like when people say that's always the big pushback what if you want to go and what if you want to drive for nine hours first of all i don't want to drive anywhere for nine hours um <laughs> I, I, I don't i'm not going on road trips I sound like a cranky old man but <laughs> But to drive it in the city, Daryl, I have never worried once about running out of um, uh, electricity. And I love this part of it, Mo. I love just driving by gas stations. What's up, gas stations? Who cares? It's amazing.
2: Yeah,
7: And that's the thing, people, because EV stations are so small and they're all over the place. You'd never know if you Mm -hmm. don't have an EV, you'd even know what they are. So you you always wonder, where would I charge? And when you actually get the app and you realize, wow, it's every two blocks. It's like it's not a big deal, right?
1: Um, I wanted to tell everyone it's EVnet, E-V-N-E-T dot C-A. And what we're talking about is literally on the landing page. You can book your rental. You can book your test drive. You can buy a used car. It is the future, not only the vehicle itself, but the way that Daryl has set this up. And uh, everyone that works with you, uh, my buddy Maeve, everyone there is so good. You'll have a great experience. And like I said, you know what? You're not sure? Try it for a day. Try it for the weekend, and then you'll have a chance to kind of absorb the experience. And uh, as always, Daryl, my friend, uh, great to talk to you. Hasta luego. Uh, Mucho gusto, mi amigo. I'm throwing out. I'll cra- be down
7: there in a couple of weeks. Maybe I'll track you down. I, I would, won't, but uh, I would I'll love it, man. Think, son.
1: All right, <laughs> brother. You take care. Thanks, my friend.
7: Thanks. Nice seeing you, Maureen. Nice seeing you. Sure. Thanks. Bye bye.
1: Look at Maureen adding value to the entire experience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I happen to have one. so That is so cool.
1: What do you have? What are you driving?
2: a tesla I love uh, sadly uh john got it i i'm my i'm giving up my weird this is an interesting topic i think for a lot of people um my lease i have a uh, my own car i have my own car oh look at you uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> my lease is up in april and we're going to uh try a one car family now i bought john an e-bike for christmas Wow. So I, I plan to be the one car driver. Uh,
1: yeah, John, here's yeah. the e bike. Enjoy yourself. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I was, um, when I met Daryl, you know, I was, in, I thought, yeah, this is kind of cool. And I got rid of my car. But, uh, and I took Dan, I've been driving, I've driven a couple of Teslas. I've driven a Kona, which is kind of cool. It's an SUV. But I took Dan out one day in the fall in a Tesla, and, and we were like two kids. So I, I took him for a spin, then I said, now you drive it. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. It's different, and it 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 goes like spit. Oh yeah,
1: Dan. Have hey, yeah. Dan. Talk about that moment when I said, "Hey, you want to see how fast a Tesla goes?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was on a jet plane or something. Yeah. It was the the uh, the g forces were an actual factor, unlike my vehicle. And yeah, quiet
2: at the same time too. So it's, you're not used yeah. to that takeoff without any noise. You
3: know, that was a part that
1: I I did not anticipate. I didn't understand. Um, I don't really understand Engines that much But I had no idea How quick the Tesla was Because there's no interruption Anyway um, I want to thank uh, Colin Mockery And um, The other guy I <laughs>
2: can't I'm help really, you I can't remember Assad.
1: Assad Assad Thank you I never got his last name That's why I stopped You notice I stopped saying
2: it Yes I noticed
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Assad Mekki I believe is his name
2: Yeah all that aside Ah, ah And uh,
1: tomorrow on the show uh, <laughs> wow. Fred's traveling today stuff going oh, yeah. On I yeah, tell
2: you yeah, I that, wrote that, that, I made notes
1: <laughs> that, uh, That's almost as good As the uh, uh, Sargasm Sarcasm <laughs>
2: The, the wide shirt the, the shitty. Why bit did you I tell tried you about that. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was good. No, it
1: was, it was horrible. I'm, I'm ashamed it was of the awful, whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do want to thank you, though, man. I've so enjoyed uh, catching back up with you, Maureen. Uh, real Same. pleasure.
2: Same. You're a I'll very be friend kind. Anytime.
1: Well, we appreciate it. And uh, tomorrow on the show, Bill Brio makes his uh, regular uh, monthly appearance. Uh, Dan Duran, I wish you good luck today.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Um, this is a big uh, day and uh, early in a relationship. You, uh, you can't drop the ball. You have to do what you have to do. And, and listen, I think the fact that you've allowed the Christmas tree to continue is also part the of it. Winter bird tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, without uh, any further ado and delay, thank you again,
3: Maureen. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, and GoDaddy. We read all those emails, Fred humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Liking and subscribing really helps us out, and so does giving us all the hearts and stars. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, enjoy every goddamn day.
7: A little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz in the get-fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands Where's that?